Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Hey there, ghosties. In this episode, I'll be doing a live reading with one of my beloved listeners. Every Wednesday, listen in on an intimate conversation and get inspired as we explore perspectives on life, love, and the human condition. Along the way, we'll uncover valuable insights and practical lessons that you can apply to your own life. And don't forget to hit subscribe or at the very least mark your calendars because every Sunday I'll be back with your weekly horoscope. And that you don't want to miss. Let's get started. Ari, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to have you here. Tell me what you would like your reading about. I'm just going to read the question that I wrote to you the other day. I recently learned that I have a mutable grand cross in my birth chart, and I'm wondering if this or some other aspect maybe involving my Mercury may provide me with insight into my career struggles. I'm considered a leading clinician in long COVID in my state, but have struggled for more than six years with the integral duty of charting. On one hand, I'm considered successful, and on the other hand, I've faced reprimand at three different jobs due to my inability to chart in a timely manner, and I contemplate if I can survive in my current chosen career. Mm, okay. There's lots of parts to your question. I mean, one part is like, it sounds like you suck at charting, which charting, for people who don't know, is just the paperwork associated with patient work. Yep, that's correct. They don't give you assistance for that? I make it harder than it's supposed to be. Yeah, I'm good at the patient facing stuff, but not the putting it black and white on paper. Mm -hmm. And so the only person who can put it black and white on paper is you because you would have to communicate it to someone if they were going to do it for you. Correct. Yeah, I don't use a transcriptionist, I think maybe is what you were asking. Mm -hmm. There's like so many things I want to ask you about your job, but I'm going to do that in a minute. First, I want to ask, do you have a difficult time with typey typing, with making time for it? Like, what's the, what, I mean, I have theories. I'm looking at your birth chart, which, by the way, you were born August 30th, 1992. Yep. 6.56 a.m. And we're not saying the name of your city or the the state you're from. We're just saying you're from the East Coast. Yep. So that's a great question. And, and that's why, partly why I wrote into you. So I think I have some form of like learning hurdles. I was like diagnosed with adult ADHD in the middle of college. And I know that I have, I have a really strong memory in some ways. I think I'm a very visual person, but that's like the extent of it. So when I go back and look at my notes I've written, I have trouble like synthesizing it. And I also try to make it sound nice and modern day healthcare is not set up for that. Mm -hmm. You just have to do what you got to do. And unfortunately, part of me is unable to just do what I have to do. I want to do things to the best of my ability. And it hinders me actually. Yeah. Okay. Before we unpack, I just want to check in because you work in long COVID. You know, I feel passionately about COVID and all of that, but I'm curious if you could just like share are you busy? Like, do a lot of people have long COVID? What exactly is that job? If you don't mind sharing a little bit about that before we dive. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm happy to. And good question. So I see patients five days a week at my clinic. And for the past 
two years, I've seen at least 15 new patients a week. Mm. Thankfully, in the past year or so, there's been many less hospitalizations. So thankfully, we know the vaccines are, are doing something, which is great to see. We're no longer having most people not coming in with like lung scarring and having been in the hospital for months. But we are having people that had mild COVID, even if they were vaccinated. Unfortunately, some people are not vaccinated with, you know, debilities after after this. And it's interesting, part of my first visits with patients is usually just giving them insight into that they're not alone and that this is what we're seeing in the the population and just giving people a lot of insight and perspective, which is thankfully makes a huge difference for these people. When you see people for a long COVID, are they people who are just unable to function anymore, unable to work anymore? Is that still happening even for mild cases? Yeah, surprisingly. And even as a long COVID clinician, I'm actually kind of torn by the term long COVID because it means something different for everybody. So when mm-hmm. somebody says they have long COVID, I say, okay, what are you experiencing? And I've seen symptoms of any and every body system after COVID, you know, GI, skin, lungs, heart, nervous system. Um, and you can have debility with any of these systems. And so I don't think modern American healthcare was set up for this. I think it was a perfect storm, unfortunately. And yeah, that's really intense. And it kind of sounds a lot like it can be an autoimmune disorder. Am I hearing that right? We do want to look for new autoimmune conditions that have been triggered by COVID. Essentially, we want to look for any new identifiable diagnosis due to having had COVID and people that are predisposed to autoimmune conditions, COVID may function as uncovering that. And so, yeah, we, I will say research is actively looking at about like six different hypotheses. You know, is this inflammatory, immunologic, hormonal, et cetera? And right now we don't have those answers and we're a ways away. So really the key to how my clinic functions is that everything we do is symptom driven. So the fact that you had COVID, that plays a factor, but I'm going to look at your symptoms. I'm not going to just dismiss you and say, oh, you had COVID. It's going to take a while to get better. No, we're Mm going to look and analyze and try to figure out what's in our control that we can address since you've had COVID and now these persistent symptoms. Mm. Well, I got to say, you're doing such important work. And like you said, the American healthcare system is just not set up to deal with this kind of nuanced health crisis for so many people. And as I look at your birth chart, you've got Saturn in the sixth house. You're good for toil and it's in Aquarius. So you're good for toil in a way where you're like, I have to innovate something by doing the same thing over and over again. Like (laughs) this is good work for you to be doing. Okay. Yeah. So let me start with that. And you're a double Virgo. I think that is worth saying. Sun and rising, both Virgo. So medicine, Mm -hmm. check. And I'm assuming, do you do you want to stay in this field? Do you want to continue to work with long COVID? I want to work in medicine and I'm enjoying what I'm doing right now for the foreseeable future, but I do want to transition into pulmonary medicine, which has, this has kind of grown out of pulmonary, but is also evolved from pulmonary. Mm-hmm. So I, I would ideally like to stay in medicine. I know this is a little bit off topic, but part of me also wonders if I'm even supposed to stay in medicine with the hurdles that I face. And mm-hmm. I'm only 30 and I hate to be saying that, but yeah. I mean, and you say the hurdles you face, you mean this topic we're about to dive into. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's dive. Okay. We're going to dive. So 
you have Mercury and Chiron in the 12th house. They're not sitting on top of each other. And you have Mercury squared to Pluto. What this means is a bunch of things. The first is the way that your analyzer, Mercury, your brain works, is like you said, visual. You're really good at sitting with somebody and being filled up with both data, but also sense impressions, mm -hmm. which is why patient-facing work, just it's a skill that you have that maybe you didn't even think you had. Like it's, it's something you're very good at. And especially for sussing out something like long COVID, which is novel, like, right? We still don't know much about it. And so you're kind of, I mean, you're in a magic spot, high burnout, I'm sure, but it's very good for your brain. That said, Mercury in the 12th house can be a little scattered. It is not a system-driven Mercury placement. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So for you, if a system makes sense, you're like, yeah, it clicks for you. But if the system is like, unnecessary or you don't think it's right in some ways because you do have mercury in a fixed sign you're just like eh. and there's a part of your brain that's like i don't do that and then you kind of just don't yeah yep on top of that you have pluto also in a fixed sign in scorpio squaring your mercury you are driven to research to get to the bottom of things you are driven to understand things but you are not driven to bullshit like you have a really hard time with things that you think are unnecessary or superfluous to the point. This is not just about like, oh, therefore you're not doing paperwork. Not at all. It's about you have so many hours in a day. You have so much energy in a day. And there's the things that are immediately in front of you and important. And that's where your energy goes. And it's hard for you in the moment to not think this is, of course, what I should be focusing on instead of spending two hours filling out paperwork. Yeah, it's all very related, bull, what you're saying. Yep. Yeah. Have you tried using talk to type technology to do this kind of work? Yeah, I have. And part of the thing is I'm just so far behind on charting that as I try to integrate new things, the day-to-day -day never lets up. And so, yeah, it's like I'm just in this whole, I'm completely open to things that'll make it work. And I have, I felt okay with it, but it is also a little bit of a learn, learning curve, like just to get comfortable with that. I see. I see. Okay. But let me ask you this. When you've used it, has it made this kind of writing easier for you? Has it kind of gone a little bit quicker or has it been easier on your brain? Yeah, I think it. it's, I'm telling a story in my brain as opposed to me trying to synthesize this complex interaction I just had and trying to put it in black and white words. And I have yeah. a lot of trouble with that. Yeah. Straight out the gate, I will say that Pluto squared to Mercury, talking is really easy for you when you think it's worth talking. You're a chatty Kathy, no? Oh, yeah. Yeah. For me, I feel like in terms of thinking not about how to catch up, but instead thinking, okay, one day, you will be caught up or you will start at square one again, like a new job, right? And in that case, I would recommend starting with talk to type technology instead of using your, your fingers to type mm -hmm. away. I do think it's quicker work for you in the long term. Yeah, no, that, and I, I understand that, but I like, I don't know how to explain it, but I almost have a phobia also to talk to type, like, I don't use it on my phone and I have no idea why I don't use it. I use audio messages, but for, there's this inherent part to me I don't trust or I'm just not, I'm very resistant to it. To talk, to type. Interesting. Yeah. So let me look at that. Will you say your full name out loud for me? Yes. Honestly, 
it looks like you've made a decision at some point that you're supposed to write and that people write and you should write. It looks like there's this part of you that's like, no, I have to get it. I have to get it the right way. And I'm not going to use this thing that works for me because I shouldn't need this accommodation. Like there's some sort of a weird should. This is like some deep fixed sign shit. Yeah. 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 This I'm going to give you homework. Like start today and use the talk to type feature in the notes on your phone or when writing texts to friends. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's tied to me being a Virgo, but like if I'm going to do something, I need to know how to do it inside out. And I'm intimidated to learn talk to text. Yeah, that's fair. And also it is not what it once was. Like it's not, it used to be used, you had to get like a whole program. And I get that with your job, you have to get a program, but it's really just like everyday technology at this point. It is, of course, your Virgo perfectionism. Sure. But I think it's self-sabotage as well, mm -hmm. because what would happen? Let's just play it out. Let's say you start using talk to type and you're not great at it at first but you keep on texting your friends and then editing your texts because you can do that. It's 2023, right? And then you get better at it and then you just use it and your life is easier. It's weird because I say that. And even as I say it, like there's something in your energy that like hitches. Like, <laughs> did you feel that inside of yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I feel all messed up with communication in general. A lot of times I don't like texting. I don't know what it is. Like if I'm in the moment, I'll respond to text, but otherwise everything is just very energy consuming for me when it comes to communication. And so I think I feel resistant all the way around. Okay. So this is not just about talk to type. It's about like needing to communicate as opposed to choosing in a moment to communicate. Yeah. I think, I think that's what it is. Pluto squared to Mercury in the birth chart can indicate that you are withholding of information and communication as a way to keep yourself safe. And this placement, when it indicates that, because not everybody who has this square experiences that, generally experienced in childhood and early developmental experience, where one parent or guardian was either verbally assaultive or had their own really intense issues around communication and language. Do either of those things resonate with you? Yeah. And I think I could see it in different ways in each of my parents. Mm. Are one of them ESL? No. Oh, you know, I don't know if you're picking up. My mom's in spirit. She's passed. Yeah. And okay. I know that That's when fine. I've had other people communicate with her, she uses her hands a lot. Okay. Okay. No, that's not what I'm picking up on right now. I'm really focused on you. So, but we can come back to that potentially, but it's more, there's something about this square where one of the ways it can show up is that a parent really just doesn't feel like they can communicate. Like, and sometimes that's because they speak a different language than what's being spoken in the community you're being raised in. But if that's not the case, is it that one of your parents was assaultive verbally? Mm-hmm. And was that directed at you or at your other parent? All of us. Yeah. In different ways. Yeah. And was your coping mechanism to just like say nothing, not get in the way? Mm hmm Yeah. That, from my perspective, astrologically, if you want to know what the, 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 the seed that has grown this plant, that's the seed. It's a coping mm -hmm. mechanism that kept you safe. Was that your, your father, the assaultive, verbally assaultive person? 
No, it was my mom. It was your mom. Okay. When you were growing up, the way that you handled not putting yourself in crosshairs was very effective, is my guess. However, it kind of forced you inside of yourself in a way that has pros and cons to it. Mm-hmm. And when you say that you have like kind of like a phobic reaction to texting or using type to text and all of this kind of stuff, that's how you know that it's not really about paperwork or texting. It's about a survival mechanism that gets triggered around the topic. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So within this is really an important question, which is, I mean, you've already said you want to be a doctor. You want to continue to to do this doctrine that you're doing. Is there a part of you that doesn't want the responsibility? Absolutely. Okay. (laughs) There's a part of me that, yeah, I'm open to anything, any way that I can help others. And I just want to find a way that makes it make sense to me. Mm -hmm. I will say you've got Saturn in the sixth house. You're a double Virgo. You want it to make sense. You want it to make sense. You believe on some meaningful level that there is a correct answer. And when you find it, everything will fall in place and be correct. Mm-hmm. However, that's not true. Not only is that not true, but you've got this Mercury-Pluto square. So there's going to be a part of you that's constantly scanning for danger. What's wrong? How do I protect myself? And the way that you know how to protect yourself, like we've established, it's to pull back. Let me add something else. You have a moon square to Uranus and Neptune in your birth chart, which means you get overwhelmed. You get overwhelmed. And when you do get overwhelmed, you have an anxiety response to the glass getting too full, basically, if you will, of emotions. There's an anxiety response that happens. So when you experience emotional anxiety because three friends texted you, Three friends you genuinely like, that you (laughs) want to talk to, that you ask them to reach out to you, and they all text you. So there's an anxiety response because overwhelm. Now I have to respond, right? Because of the way humans work and how trauma works in the system, you experience overwhelm for three people you genuinely like reaching out to you. And then it kicks into motion this thing that we've kind of talked about, where you're like, Is this danger? Is this danger? Okay, hide. Is this danger? Don't say anything. It's this coping mechanism that worked for you in childhood when you were overwhelmed by your mom's energy and what she said. But it actually makes everything worse for you now. It doesn't Mm -hmm. actually keep you safe. I mean, I'm guessing there are situations here and there that it does keep you safe in, but not in the ways we're talking about it now. Yeah, I don't think I need that coping skill anymore. And just as like an aside, I will add in, I think between I have my dad, mom and sister, I was the only one that didn't communicate in what I would call explosive. Like everything Mm -hmm. always escalated. And I'm the youngest four years younger. And my mom and dad were comfortable with yelling at each other. I think I actually had a very happy childhood. And my mom was just very intense in the way that she communicated. And then my sister was also very comfortable with going at it at them. Whereas I like to go sit in another room by myself and try not to get involved. In your chart, it's really clear that you were wanted, that you were loved by your family. And that, yeah, in many ways, you did have a great childhood. And also that communication did not feel safe to you. And that what you needed for like a kind of a healthy, well-adjusted learning environment for communication to feel safe 
was not what you got. It was just not what you got. And lucky you, you're a fucking double Virgo. So communication is everything to you. Mm -hmm. So that was sarcasm, obviously, the lucky <laughs> part. But all to say that this is a very fucking big deal. And I'm going to add more complexity to it. You contact me at the perfect time because you're about to go through a bunch of transits to Mercury. So oh, okay. you can't just like slink away from this dynamic. You can't hide in your room on this topic. You can leave your field and it's still going to follow you. This is a time where it's getting activated. This summer, Uranus is going to start to square your Mercury and Uranus is currently opposing your Pluto. So this this issue has been triggered for just less than a year already. Hmm. And I will say that, you know, the topic that we're talking about of your work, which again, thank you for doing it. Very important. The topic that we're talking about of your work is, yes, it's about your work, but it's really not about your work. It's about you. Because we've uncovered that, yes, you have a hard time with charts, but you also have a hard time texting friends back. It's not just about one thing. It's just when the stakes are higher, your activation gets more intense and therefore your self-sabotage, self-protection slash self-sabotage emerges. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because I always like was like, I just need to figure out how I can type better or whatever. And part of me also knew that I didn't have the answer. Like I, I that's why I wrote to you because I'm like, I just don't even know where to start unpacking this at yeah. essentially. And, yeah. and knowing that it's, has the reflection from childhood does make sense to me. Yeah. And so let's go back to work because I want to help you keep your job. Let's say you were going to do all of your paperwork and just like come to zero so that you like tomorrow there's a fresh new day and you'll do whatever paperwork is needed that day. How many hours or days or weeks do you think it would take you to do that work? Currently, I have a plan in place to be caught up by July 1st, counting, seeing patients still daily and signing those notes and then working on my backlog. Okay. And then what are the hours you've set to work on your backlog? Probably like an hour and a half per day. Where? When? Like where in the day? I have to find the time in the evening after work. Okay. This is a terrible plan. This is a terrible plan. I mean, it's the best plan you got. I No, no disrespect. That's a fucking awful plan. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay, cool. Does your job offer any support around this or no? Yeah, my job is very supportive, which is unlike I've had previous jobs that were not supportive in any means. And this is the first job where I do feel really supported. No, but OK, so you feel supported. But what yeah. I'm asking is, do they actually offer material support and assistance? I have to ask for what I think I need and they'll okay. make it available. So part of the thing is figuring out what I need. One thing I'm going to recommend, and again, I don't think there's anything that anyone's going to recommend or that you're going to figure out that you're not going to have resistance around. So let's start with that, okay? Mm -hmm. And the way to motivate yourself is to say, I'm going to try this, and if it doesn't work for me, I can stop. I am in control instead of I, I have to make this work. Mm -hmm. So one thing I would ask for is for them to give you training with talk-to-type technology, to like have somebody come and show you how to do it or to pay for you to whatever it takes, right? Yeah, we have webinars like that. I, I just need to ask to have some time to do that. So yeah. I think that's step one because your ability to speak is, it is quicker for you. You get way more in your head when you're writing, when you're using mm -hmm. a pen, when you're typing. And if you can set 
whatever like writing situation that you have to bullet points. So every time you like start a new line, like if you say new line, it goes to another bullet point that will help you to be less perfectionistic in your writing style than you are naturally. Mm -hmm. Mercury and fucking Leo, you're creative. You're like, let me write a sentence. Oh, I'm a good writer. Yeah, sure. You're like, let me write a sentence. That's not what American healthcare wants. They don't want a novel. No. They, yeah, no, it's bullet points. And the truth is you have Saturn in the sixth house. You can do bullet points. You just need to decide that that's what's in your best interest. You need to decide that that's best for you. And right now you're like, that's not best for me. I would rather write a nice sentence. But the truth is you have too much work for sentences. <laughs> you mm -hmm. have, you mm -hmm. just do. And I think that if you had an easy setup where you're just speaking, you know, patient, showed up with a pink hat, new line, that hat was giving them a rash, new line. I don't know why they didn't take the hat off, new line. <laughs> like if you didn't do something like that, it will be so much easier than what your instinct would be, which is patients showed up. They were perfectly reasonable. They were wearing a pink hat. We looked at their rash. We thought, you know, like you will get more efficient communication in the mix if you bullet point. Mm -hmm. Now, I know I'm a Capricorn advocating for bullet points, which is just like a Capricorn being a Capricorn. So I apologize for showing my myself to you in this way. But I, I will say that the way that your chart works, you need to believe there's an actual reason to do a thing. Otherwise, you're not going to do the thing. Mm -hmm. And so I am trying to convince you to like bullet points because I think they're in your best interest. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. open to that. And I can just tell you already my emotional response is I'm afraid of being judged for my documentation, but it, that's yeah. better than what I'm currently doing. And I think the thing is about your documentation is that no one's ever going to judge you unless you make a mistake, right? Like, this is the thing about being judged for your documentation. When I look at, because I'm, I'm looking energetically at your workspace, no one says anything about anything unless there's an error that they don't understand. Yeah. Everyone's too busy. So no one's judging you, but they may come to you and be like, what the hell did this mean? And then you'll have mm -hmm. to be like, I don't remember. What does that mean? I don't know. But that's just because nobody's thinking about anything other than doing their best in a kind of impossible situation. Gotcha. Yeah. And I think it's like I have my danger senses on when I think about all the repercussions and stuff. But that makes sense yeah. to me in my experience that literally nobody's going to bother me as long as I do whatever I need to do. Yeah. And the truth is you do care enough to make sure that in your documentation, you are getting the important points. Yeah. The truth of the matter is if you had a habit and I don't think you have time. I mean, you're in an impossible situation because if you had fucking five minutes between each person, you could use your talk to type, but it being out a couple bullet points and then it would be like the template that would trigger your thoughts for later in the day. But it just doesn't look like you have those five minutes. I, I'm terrible with time management because when I'm with a person, I'm fully like with the person and mm -hmm. can't cut them off. Do you take notes while you're with them? Yeah. I go back and read them and it's just overwhelming for my brain to synthesize everything. Yeah. And they don't offer, like, you can't have like an assistant to you to help to synthesize those notes. Not that I know of, but I could ask. I would ask. And it's interesting that you never thought to ask that. Smarty pants, doctor, right? <laughs> but you never thought to ask, could somebody help synthesize my very detailed notes? Yeah. So that's a thing. And I don't know 
what your industry is like enough to know the answer to this. But like, if you wanted to pay out of pocket for an assistant to synthesize your notes and fill out your forms, are you legally allowed to do that? Like, is a medical professional allowed to do that? I think it's worth asking because there are a lot of tools available. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's worth asking because there's the work thing, right? Like, oh shit, I've got this crazy job and it's important and I don't want to fuck it up. And also I hate writing notes and all the things, right? But then there's the real problem, which is when you get overwhelmed, you become overwhelmed by the enormity of things. And so something that I that I really see happening for you is, have you ever gone to like a museum or an art gallery and seen a piece of art where you're just like, fuck, yes, like this is this piece is something that speaks to me. Have you had that experience? Mm -hmm. OK, if you then walk up to that piece of art and stand with your nose as close to it as you can, it can be emotional. It can be evocative. But then you really just can't see what's happening in the piece anymore. Mm -hmm. You lose all perspective. You even lose all you know is your relationship to it. That's all you have anymore. And what I see happens for you in these kinds of situations is that you become so overwhelmed by your relationship to the information that you need to get out and the information that's in your head and all the things that are important and all the things that can go right or wrong, depending on how you do it, that you really do need to like just take like five steps back so you can see the whole tapestry, the whole painting. And then you're very resourceful, it turns out. Like, you know, you're resourceful, even though we're talking about the way you're not. Right. Yeah. And okay. I, I completely agree with that. I get really emotionally tied to my communication at work. And the longer that it festers, the worse that it gets. Whereas like I could just crank it out. And yeah, I know I have a, a brain that can really synthesize complex things, but I just get in such a hole with things for yeah. a multitude of reasons. So no, that, that I think that metaphor makes total sense. Yeah. Free Black Therapy is a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing remote mental health services with Black mental health professionals for Black and African American individuals, and it's absolutely free. Visit freeblacktherapy.org to find a therapist or donate today. This pattern of being avoidant, again, very Pluto Mercury square, so good on you, you're being your chart. But the thing about avoidance is what avoidance does in all circumstances. I mean, it's a bold statement, but I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there. It is an anxiety response. Avoidance is an anxiety response that generates more anxiety. Mm -hmm. Right. So now we're back into your fucking trauma cup. I don't know why in my mind, trauma is like a glass that's filled to the very brim for you. That's how I see anxiety. It's just like, you're scared of it. Like, dripping out the side of the glass. Like you, you're you're scared of making a mess and drawing attention is what I, the, oh, the, yeah. the, what I keep on mm -hmm. getting. Your coping mechanism provokes the exact emotional and mental response in you that you don't want to have and you're trying to overcome. Good job. The good news is you're very smart. You're smart enough to like constantly be trying to outsmart your own thoughts and feelings. The bad news is, is that you're not going to be able to reason your way out of this because the ultimate and true problem here is in the animal brain and emotional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lizard brain. Lizard brain. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's rooted in that damn brain stem of yours. Mm -hmm. And so I would also encourage you, like, I don't know how woo, do you get woo? I actually wanted to ask you, like, I'm so analytical. I need, 
I need help doing my reflections and stuff. So I'm open to whatever you have to say. So I am not like a tapping nerd. Like, do you know about tapping? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's not like my specialty or anything. I don't know much about it, but I keep on being shown that that would be really good for you. The reiteration of ideas and like literally poking yourself in the face Mm -hmm. or whatever. I would encourage you to like go to ye old YouTube, find like a succinct way of wording your particular issue and see if there's like a pre-existing tapping exercise around that. That's a weird piece of advice that I've never given to anyone before, but that's what Mm. I'm I'm really seeing. So I'm going to just throw that at you. And if it doesn't resonate, don't fucking do it. If you don't find someone good, don't do it. Obviously, if you're in the market for a mantra, yeah, I would give you one to the effect of if I make a mistake, I'll just correct it. I like it. You got a lot of things in your chart that speak to perfectionism. And perfectionism is the enemy of creativity and peace and effectiveness. It really is. And your work is so important. And the client-facing part of your work is so important. But if you don't, like, write it down, if there aren't those notes, then it becomes a lot harder to use your work and have it help other people that don't live in your town and don't have access to you or aren't sick in this moment. Mm -hmm. There's this larger part of the service that you're providing that it's like you won't get to personally necessarily be the beneficiary of writing all those stupid fucking notes. But ultimately, you're one of, and I'm assuming there are not that many long COVID doctors in the U.S., as far as I understand. Is that correct? There's a few clinics in each state. So I was thinking about that today. So probably like not more than 100, 150 tops. And I think about that in the context of how because people aren't masking anymore and people are just getting sick over and over and over again, we may have a mammoth population of people who have, I'll call it long COVID because that's the term we got. And so the work that you're doing is not just so important for the people who are sick right now, but it's really important for us to be able to start to understand what the fuck COVID does to people's bodies over the course of time, eh? Yeah. I will say just off that point that I am in an academic institution that if I could get my work done that I need to, the sky's the limit as far as research and spreading information. And that's what I want to do. I want to make a bigger difference, but I'm so caught up in this mundane activity. So, yeah. So this is really good. I'm glad we're getting to this because you've got Jupiter Mars square in your birth chart and you got Mars at the top of your chart. Yeah. You can make a big fucking difference. You can make a big fucking difference and you're scared and you're self-sabotaging. And I respect that. Part of why you're scared is because you're scared and you're allowed to be fucking scared. Just Virgo. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? There doesn't have to be a big fancy reason. It doesn't have to be childhood trauma. You just get to be scared. Mm -hmm. And if you weren't bullying yourself so aggressively, you might just be a little nicer to yourself. And then it might be easier to get the shit done. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Good. We're making progress. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So, okay. So I'm going to make you say your full name out loud again. The name you go by, not all your names this time. Thank you. I don't think you're ready to do research yet, even though it's available to you at the level that it's available to you. I Mm. actually think the patient facing work is where you're at. And I think there's a part of you that's like, well, if I can, I should. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately it is what you want to do more research, right? But I think you need more years in the field. 
Oh yeah. I'm, I'm very early in my career. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. And, and I think that this is related to part of why you're unconsciously self-sabotaging. And I don't think you're like specifically self-sabotaging at work. I think this is like kind of a holistic issue, but it's really strong at work because it's catching up with you in a way that yeah. it won't in other parts of your life. Just clarifying the self-sabotage part about like, I want to eventually be doing research and I feel like I should be doing it because it's available. I just need a little bit of clarification. Sure. What I'm saying is like, there is a part of you that is scared that if you do an exemplary job at all parts of your job, that you get trapped in this work. There is another part of you that feels like if you don't do a better job at all the paperwork, that you'll then not be able to be a researcher and you'll be screwing yourself forever. So in both of these kind of opposite stories you're telling yourself, you have created what I do in this moment has the weight of my whole life and therefore it has to be perfect. So we're back to your fucking perfectionism. Good on you, right? And then who could sit down and write some fucking charts out in that state of mind? Like nobody, that's too much. Mm -hmm. It's just too much. Again, you're so close to the painting, you can't see the painting anymore. And if you instead could kind of pull back and say to yourself, I want to be good at this now and I can quit or change whatever, like, I don't know how, how you'd call it within your industry, but like I could Sorry. shift what I'm doing when I'm ready, how I'm ready, right? Like you can, I, I'm going to tell you, you can. Yeah. And I've never felt like I've, I don't have that perspective. Like everything's just day to day for me. So it's good to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about your chart with that beautiful Mars square to Jupiter. That placement indicates that you're like, if it doesn't happen immediately, it'll never happen. So why should I bother? <laughs> and also that placement means that if you can remember that it is not a race, it is a marathon, that you're resilient and strong and very effective. This shit is a marathon. You need to stop with the race. I like that. Yeah. It is such a simple thing to say to you, but like so much of your chart needs to hear it every damn day. So if you were going to mm -hmm. get like a tattoo, I'd be like tortoise and hair, tortoise and hair. Mm. That would be your tattoo. Okay? I like that. If you are realistically going to come home after work and do your paperwork, let's say that's actually going to happen. Okay. Because doing it every day, that seems insane. Like, I don't know how you're going to pull that off. Like, are you really mm -hmm. going to be able to do that? I said 10 out of 14 days. I got it every 14 days. I got to do that. Okay. If you're going to do this at home, do you have a home office? Mm -hmm. here's my advice you're gonna get a fucking candle we're going woo okay you're gonna get a candle and it's one of those tall seven-day candles like glass candle you know what I mean yeah and then you're gonna get a pen that doesn't work or a pencil or a nail whatever you like and you're gonna carve in your intention so if it was me I would put in the word succinct efficient quick whatever fucking whatever words feel right to you i don't know what feels right to you but you're gonna write it in now if you can you write each word nine times okay that's how i like to do it and then the first time you sit down to do this work you're gonna light the candle and you're gonna be really connected you're gonna fucking woo this shit up if you want you can even do this to two separate candles and put them on either side of you and you only light these candles when you're doing this work love it if you have any kind of ADD, you may want to fuck with, I don't know, brown noise, green noise, pink noise. Have you heard of these noises? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you like any of them? Do they work for you? Brown noise. Yeah. Great. Okay. So brown noise, woo candles. I would also say 
specific shoes may really help you. You're a double Virgo. Hmm. Virgos, you know, you're really into your shoes. So I would say if there are specific shoes that you can be like, these are my work shoes, and you just put Ooh. them on when you're sitting at your desk. Yeah. Yeah, Virgo magic, see. <laughs> So, so this is where, you know, you really want to be like, okay, I am putting all of these rituals in place to mark this time as sacred. And it's not just because there's something sacred about your work, right? Theoretically, hopefully, but not always, but about your work, there's something sacred, but also because you're creating a safe space that you as an adult create for your fucking self when triggers come up, which they will from childhood stuff where you didn't feel in control because you weren't in control and you didn't feel safe because you weren't safe. Those feelings of feeling out of control and unsafe, they're going to keep coming up. Hopefully you get into some nice therapies and, you know, you work them mm -hmm. out with time. But if they come up, you can, and you identify them, you can say to your inner child, you can say to yourself, hey, self, I'm actually in control of this. I made choices. Look at all this fucking fancy shit I got. I got these shoes. <laughs> I got, you know, like I got I just like oh, my brown noise. I got, you know, you have all these things in place and you can just say to yourself, I'm making this choice because this choice is actually right for me right now. And when it stops being right for me, I'm going to just blow out the candle and leave the desk. So yeah. again, you really want to focus on your self-control. I think that'll help you a lot. Absolutely. I, I feel like this burden that I'm carrying is spilling in, over into all waking life that I yes. know it's something I have to do, but where do I carve out and do it? And the thing that you just, that you described that I envisioned, I felt safe and I felt like nothing else could like penetrate is the, yes. with what you described. Yeah. Right. And, and it's obviously, it's not like a four day a week situation. This is ritual. Like, you know, you got to be really intentional about when you do it. But I think if you do that and then you ask for the different kinds of assistance we've discussed Maybe they'll give you 0% or maybe they'll give you some. I think that you can really get this done by the summer. I really do. And that's just in time for your Uranus square to Mercury to happen. So make sure that you do take that webinar for Talk to Type. And again, mm -hmm. practice it with friends. Practice it with like in low stakes situations so that you know if your perfectionism comes up when you're texting somebody who's just your bud then you can be like, oh, this is not about texting. <laughs> this is about my shit. That's like good information for you to have. Yeah. If I make a mistake, I'll just fix it. Yeah. If you make a mistake, you'll just fix the, it. The, the mantra. Yeah, exactly. And if you make a mistake in any of your charts, you'll somebody will catch it and you'll fix it. Like it is really like the most important work that you're doing. You're not making mistakes. If you make a mistake yeah. in paperwork, it's fixable. Yeah. And I, I feel like I need to be, I need to be available to take care of long COVID patients. This isn't going away and yes. not many people understand this population. I want to do this work and be able to take care of that part that comes along with it. But yeah. yeah. I want to share one more thing with you in case it's helpful, which is that, you know, I've been working with clients for more than 25 years and I've had a lot of clients who were physicians, you know, not just MDs, but, you know, RNs, NPs, PAs, all mm -hmm. kinds of doctors. Lots of scientists, believe it or not, have been my clients and a lot of artists. One thing all those populations have in common is not being naturally good at paperwork, not being mm. naturally good at fundraising, not being naturally good at charting, because that's not actually the job. I mean, it's the job because of the system, but 
it's not really the job, is mm -hmm. it? You know, being a healer or a carer of bodies is the job. Mm -hmm. And then like all this crossing of T's and dotting of I's, ideally there would be somebody else doing that, that you were working alongside so that they could carry that full-time job and you could mm. carry your full-time job. So it's valuable to know that the way the system in this Mishagas capitalistic nightmare we're living through, that is creating this problem. It's not like all your colleagues are chill with this. Everybody's scrambling and struggling. I mean, truly, that's just what I have seen in my life mm -hmm. is that you're definitely not alone. Now, again, some of your coworkers might be get better at like whatever, keeping up with it. But this is, I think, an industry-wide, more than an industry-wide problem. Mm -hmm. And so when your perfectionism gets really activated, you want to remember that you're actually in a kind of impossible situation. And all you can do is your best. You can't be perfect in an impossible situation. It's, it doesn't, I mean, you can't be perfect anyways, but <laughs> especially not in an impossible situation. Like mm -hmm. that's just like not a thing. Mm -hmm. So I want to see, have I answered all your important questions? Is there anything kind of lingering or remaining that I haven't spoken to yet? No, I think that's correct. I just wanted to, like, my main goal was to find out, is there like an Achilles heel to what I'm facing? And I, what I'm hearing is that it's the like Mercury in the 12th square to Pluto as far as like maybe something I wasn't aware of that makes the most sense to me about this emotional response. It's the Pluto square to Mercury and the way that it activates the moon square to Uranus and Neptune or it's the moon square to Uranus and Neptune and the way it activates the Pluto square to Mercury. Because we don't want to ignore that you're having an emotional overwhelm anxiety response. That's the moon square to Uranus and Neptune. And that, that mm. it, we can't separate it. Even though those two squares aren't like actually talking to each other, this is all you. The birth chart's all you, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like thinking somebody may be having cardiovascular distress. That may just like affect other systems and create pulmonary distress, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's the same kind of thing thinking here, right? So when your mind gets activated in such a way that your flight or fight kicks in, now we're dealing with your feelings, right? So we go to your moon instantly. So now we're in your moon and you're you're activated in your moon. And so there's an anxiety response. And what did you do as a child with anxiety? You got still, you got self-contained and you fucking handled it to keep yourself mm -hmm. safe. And so you're going into that mode now. And that mode, it doesn't work in any place in your life except for when you're being chased by bears, in which case <laughs> yeah. it's excellent. But in general, it's a big thing for you to learn that the truth is true, whether you're proving it in this moment or not. Mm -hmm. And so if you make a mistake, it doesn't mean you're all of a sudden a bad doctor or a bad person. Mm -hmm. That's part of the perfectionism. Is it, is it, it's like a terror of what happens if I fuck up? Or what does it mm -hmm. mean about me if I fuck up? Mm -hmm. And the truth is, the most successful people in any industry of life, like in any part of life, are willing to fuck up. Yeah, and I can't even fathom that. Yeah. yeah. and But that's the move. You say you can't fathom that, but I know that's not true. Because when I look at you energetically in the office with patients, you ask them questions, you come up with hypotheses, they say, no, that's wrong. And you say, okay, what about this? You have no problem making mistakes because you're not attached to being right. You're attached to helping. Mm, mm -hmm. So you actually 
know how to not be a perfectionistic dick. It's just you have to like turn that in on yourself. This mm-hmm. willingness to be so curious mm. and so driven to be healthy and helpful that if you get it wrong or if you point yourself in the wrong direction, you're like, okay, cool, I'll pivot. Yeah. Because you yeah. do do that in your life, in this big part of your life. So mm-hmm. I had a knee injury once, like tendonitis in my knee, and I was seeing this Pilates instructor. And at the end of every Pilates session, she would lean into my uninjured knee and she would whisper, teach your friend. She would just say, teach your friend to my uninjured knee because she wanted my uninjured knee to remind my injured knee how to act. It's like one of those things that I'll never forget because you have this part of you that is so good at pivoting and just being curious and showing up. And all you need to do is to be curious about what's happening there that isn't happening when you're thinking about texting a friend yeah. <laughs> right like yeah. you and you can have that part of you teach the other part of you yeah yeah I I can see that I never thought about it that way it's really interesting because when we tell ourselves it's impossible for me to develop this skill and I don't have this skill then we're really far from it but when you see oh you already fucking have the skill you just don't know mm-hmm. how to access it or use it or identify it then you can recognize what the real problem is you don't know how to access it and remember to choose it that's the problem it's not that you don't know how to be empathetic and how to be curious you do you know how to be forgiving you know how to make mistakes yeah to everybody else except i've never applied it to myself yeah but a boom exactly and yeah. so that's a different problem and it takes different remediation, right? That's why yeah. you need the, the right diagnosis so you can kind of find the right treatment plan. Right. So that's hopefully where we're pointing you to. That's, and this, yeah. this issue is going to be activated for you in the next year or so. Okay. Well, I'm glad I talked to you when I did. Me too, man. I read your question. I was like, long COVID doctor, let's go. I didn't <sighs> even look at your chart. I didn't care. I was just like, we're going to do this. But then when I looked at your chart, I was like, oh, this is right on time. Like right on yeah. time. Yeah. Oh, so, good. Yeah. I'm very hey. glad we got to do it. Um, just if you have any second, um, like my mom's in spirit and that just happened like in the past year. Oh, I'm so sorry. I don't want what I said today or responded to, to cause any harm or anything. Cause I don't think about my mom in that way, despite some of the stuff that I acknowledge. So there's a couple things I'll say to that. The first is you're allowed to say, I love this person. And she was really terrible to me in this way, or she really hurt my feelings in that way. I understand you're not actually saying that. I'm saying it though. Mm -hmm. And I want to say you're allowed to. You are allowed to love someone and be critical of them at the same time. It doesn't have to be an absolute. You can look at your outfit today and be like, I love what I'm wearing, but my hair's flat or whatever, right? No Mm -hmm. big deal. You can do that. But why can't you, for someone you love, say, something critical. So I want to just first of all say that because again, that Mercury Pluto square can be very like all or nothing. The truth is intimacy and our relationship with our parents, it's nuanced and messy. It's so messy. And even the best relationships. The other thing I want to say is your mom hasn't shown up in this conversation, which is interesting because I've kind of like looked around for her. And that doesn't mean anything other than this needed to be about you like this needed to be about I hear you. that yeah. yeah and that makes me feel good oh good yeah and that that like I've communicated with my mom in other ways so I know that she's in spirit and I know she knows I need to do it for myself so that makes me feel good that I was allowed to have this conversation and it not 
yeah implicate her yeah it wasn't about her she at no point like came in being like <gasps> you know I think your mother knew who she was oh yeah she did she she called it her Mercury and Leo I'm a big baby that's what she would say that's, and that's, yeah. that's where my love of astrology comes from my mom as well so that's yeah. adorable and and also I think it's one of those things where she doesn't have that kind of perfectionism that you do I could just say this psychically. She doesn't have that same, like, I need to be everything to everyone at all times. Like, she doesn't have that same kind of thing that you do, or she doesn't hold it in the way that you do. So it's okay that you are critical of her in some ways and not in other ways. It is okay. And I think that's part of why this issue for you may have gotten more intense, not because of your mom, but because you're in grief. So again, your flight or fight mechanisms, your emotional overwhelm, all of it's further activated. So before somebody asks you to fill out a fucking chart, you're already standing too close to the painting. Like you're already too activated, right? <laughs> and so I hope that you are doing things for yourself that leave space for grief. And what grief might look like for you is just feeling empty. It might not be being sad. It might look like being fucking tired because you tend to sublimate things pretty deeply until you're ready. I would recommend having like deep veg times, sitting, staring at a wall, doing nothing and not fucking guilting yourself about it. You make ritual time to do your work. And when you're not working, stop fucking thinking about it and give yourself space to feel sad or bad or empty or tired because it's all kind of grief for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mourning the loss of, a, of someone as close to you as your mom, it's going to take a life to be in that and you don't have to have a timetable of how you're supposed to feel at this moment because I can see that you've really dove into your work in some ways because of your work and in some ways in response to grief yeah I'm sorry again I think this is part of why your mom's not here right now because you need more for yourself and it's really okay for whatever the fuck that looks like yeah and when you say make have a life just literally make time for myself to do what I need to do for myself yeah the level of pressure you're placing on yourself is very early 30s you know what I mean like separate from all the fucking other things it's the kind of pressure a person places on themselves when they think they're going to have infinite resources inside of themselves because this shit's not sustainable what you're doing yeah no, I mean, exactly I've always, I keep saying that to myself too yeah so I, yeah. yeah yeah it's yeah. not it's just not sustainable and so you know if you could schedule fucking like half a day to be pantsless in your house doing nothing with no pressure on yourself that would be great even if you're just fucking watching tv nothing deep i think you need time to come back into your body and then when you come back into your body you're like oh my god i'm so sad oh this is terrible Ooh. and so then you you get busy again and your life gives you lots of excuses to be busy but I would encourage you to spend a little more time sitting in that space where you're like, oh, I'm uncomfortable in my body. Oh, shit, I'm sad in my body. And sit with the resistance that you have to feeling it and just make that the goal. Nothing deeper because I think, feel it. Mm -hmm. yeah, just feel it, you know, feel it a little bit when you can. Specifically what I'm seeing, I'm getting lots of real specific little things for you here today. But if you can give yourself four hours once a week. So like I'm thinking like Saturday mornings is what it looks like, you know, yeah. first four hours of Saturday. That's all you need. I mean, you need a lot more. That's fucking lie. But that's all you need to start developing this emotional muscle. Yeah. 
it just will take like that glass of water of your anxiety that's like on the tip of overflowing. It'll just take it down a little bit. And yeah. that'll be a huge difference for you. Like yeah. a huge difference. Mm -hmm. No guilt, no pressure, no add-on. This is about you. It's really important that you let it stay just about you and give yourself space to be messy in it. Yeah. Which I imagine you fucking say to your patients. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to teach my other, what is it? Your tendon, my knee tendon. Yeah. Teach your friend. Teach Just my teach friend. Teach your friend. Yeah. My doctor self is going to teach my human self. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's like such a simple concept, but it, for me, it just like is like life changing. So hopefully it'll help yours too. Yeah. Thank you so much, Jessica. I really appreciate it. And thank you for doing what you're doing. Oh, wow. Thank, thank Well, we're having a thank you party. <laughs> As a part of my reading, Jessica and I felt it would be valuable to use today's episode to shed some light on long COVID. I'm going to take just a few minutes now to highlight three points. One, what is long COVID? Two, the current standard approach and best practices with long COVID. And three, how to best get your long COVID symptoms addressed should you be affected or others that you know. So one, long COVID right now, it's simply a descriptive diagnosis. It's symptoms that start or worsen after COVID and last for two to three months or longer. With it being a descriptive diagnosis, that means right now we don't have a diagnostic test, which means a black and white way to be able to say this is truly long COVID and something triggered by COVID or not. And this is a point of huge frustration for patients as well as providers that we don't yet have these answers and we're probably still a ways away. There's probably about six working different hypotheses out there that researchers are working on looking to better understand why some people develop long COVID symptoms and why others don't. Two, current best practices with long COVID. Since at this point in time, we don't yet have one known specific cause of all long COVID symptoms, that means that everything we can do right now is symptom driven. For each symptom, we wanna look for any identifiable factors that we can address that may help with some symptom relief. Say somebody's testing is all coming back normal and negative, meaning we can't find anything out of range to further explains patient's symptoms, which is often the case, the focus would then become on symptom management. Just because we don't know what is causing something doesn't mean we can't give people either medication or some tools that may help with managing symptoms. There are things in our control that can help patients. The last point I would like to speak to is how to best navigate and get your post-COVID symptoms addressed should you be affected. Part of what makes long COVID so complex is the amount of symptoms that somebody may be experiencing. Seeing new patients with easily five to 10 new symptoms that have been persistent since COVID. And in my experience, I often find that patients will present to their PCP with long COVID symptoms, but they often feel dismissed. Given what we have to work with in this healthcare system, I wanna encourage patients to make an appointment for each of the symptoms that are bothersome for them. This may require a lot of appointments, but it's worth it for your health. Finding time to take care of your health isn't always the easiest, especially when you're working a full-time job and you have other responsibilities. But I do hope that these tips can help you make the most of your time navigating the healthcare system. Every year they say the end is near.